Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. As we come into week three of the NFL and week four of college football. College football is such a short season that we're almost a third of the way through the entire college football season. And we will be basically a third of the way through the season by the end of this week. We got five games for a lot of teams in September. And what's wild about that when you really contemplate it is, my God, by the end of September, many teams will be nearly halfway done. And that is just, uh, that just kind of blows my mind. So if you told me right now, what is the single most intriguing game in college football or the NFL? This might surprise you coming up this weekend given the fact that obviously the games kick off tonight, we've got a lot of different games that matter uh, a substantial amount. To me, the most intriguing game of the weekend in college or NFL might well be Texas A&M against Arkansas in Jerry's world down in Dallas. And people out there saying, what? Like a record scratch moment for some of you. Why do you think that game is the most important or the most intriguing? I think, guys, it's effectively a loser-goes-home kind of situation. Last year, if you remember, we had a game between LSU and Auburn. LSU went on the road against Auburn and scored a winning touchdown, it appeared, with either the last second of the game or one or two seconds after the clock actually ended. And they they initially gave the win to LSU, and then they went to review that game, and they said, wait a minute, actually... They scored right after the clock ended, and so Auburn actually won. And then that led to LSU firing less miles and Auburn sticking with Gus Malzahn. My contention to you is if you change the outcome of that game, Les Miles is probably still the coach of LSU, and Gus Malzahn has been fired at Auburn. It was a losing coach goes home style game. I think we're close to that right now with Texas A&M and Kevin Sumlin. And I think we're close to that right now with Arkansas and Brett Bielema. Two guys that are on as hot of a seat as you can possibly imagine. Earlier this week, I talked about the fact that I thought this could be an offseason where college football gets fundamentally changed for years to come. Because there are many big-time programs that I think there's a decent chance are going to fire their coaches and be looking for new guys. And... You say, well, okay, what programs? Let me run through them. I think Notre Dame and Brian Kelly, possibility. 
that we got Notre Dame getting rid of Brian Kelly. In Nebraska, Nebraska, which is such a fascinating story, makes the good decision overall in terms of revenue to join the Big Ten and leave the Big 12. But in the process, they cut off their recruiting rankings, uh, their recruiting relationship with Texas and Oklahoma and those other states. Because remember, Nebraska's kind of out there on their own. They connect with the Big Ten, which doesn't really have a natural recruiting base. They're going to make a lot more money, but they really don't have very great players. Now they don't have a very good coach. And Mike Riley, I think Nebraska's going to have to go out and hire a new coach. I really do. Very quick for that decision to be made at Nebraska. But you look at where that program is trending. There ain't nothing good going on there. So Notre Dame, Nebraska. I think there is a very good chance that Jim Mora Jr. is out of UCLA. And then you look in the SEC, and there's about half the league that isn't comfortable with their coaches right now. Whether it's Barry Odom at Missouri, Auburn and Gus Malzahn, Texas A&M and Kevin Sumlin, Arkansas and Brett Bielema, Tennessee and Butch Jones, LSU and Coach Ed Ogeron. Uh, You just run through the list of all these different programs, and about half the SEC isn't happy. Florida would have been right there on the chopping block with Jim McElwain if they hadn't gotten that 63-yard touchdown pass from Felipe Franks to end the game as a walk-off against Tennessee. But the one where there's going to be the most decided this weekend, probably, unless you get a huge upset like Tennessee loses to UMass or uh, or you know something like that happens where you get a loss that nobody contemplates, LSU losing to uh, Syracuse, something like that. Uh, unless you get that happen, then I think the, the biggest game in college football or the NFL for long-range impact is going to be Arkansas against Texas A&M. And whoever wins that game keeps their job and has a chance to go on and continue to win in the years ahead. And whoever loses, I think, is effectively done. In particular, I think it's wild that Brett Bielema's failure at Arkansas is not getting more attention. We talk a lot about hot seats and what this coach has done and what that coach... Have you Has anybody really just kind of dove in to what Brett Bielema has done at Arkansas, the lack of success is pretty unbelievable. All right, the guy makes over $4 million a year. He's now been at Arkansas for five seasons. Putting that into context, before that, he was at Wisconsin for seven seasons. So when you've been somewhere for five seasons, that's a long time, right? You've got an entire recruiting base that is all your team. It's all turned over. Listen to what Arkansas has done under Brett Bielema. Three and nine, seven and six, eight and five, seven and six, one and one. They've had one winning season in the SEC. Brett Bielema has gone 26 and 27 overall. That is, he has a losing record at Arkansas in his fifth year. And this is what will blow your mind. He's gone 10 and 22 in the SEC. 10 and 22. Now, Kevin Sumlin, everybody's like, oh, Kevin Sumlin's on a hot seat. Kevin Sumlin's really got to get better. Kevin Sumlin has been at AM one year longer. He's been there six years. I just told you that Brett Bielema has gone 10 and 22 in the SEC. Kevin Sumlin's gone 21 and 19. I just told you that Brett Bielema has gone 26 and 27 overall as a head coach at his school. Kevin Sumlin has gone 46 and 22. I would love for somebody to tell me why all of the story is about the pressure that Kevin Sumlin is under and all the hot seat talk is about Kevin Sumlin, Butch Jones, Gus Malzahn, Ed Ogeron, Barry Odom. When the truth of the matter is this, Arkansas and Brett Bielema have done worse than any other major program whose coach is on the hot seat by far, and lots of people don't even put Arkansas and Brett Bielema on that list. Is it just because people don't care? Is it just because Arkansas is out of sight, out of mind? I would actually love to hear why that is. So I think that game is going to be massive, and we'll continue to talk about that. I'll give you the phone number, 877-996-6369.
We're going to talk to Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports. He's writing about this game going on in London, which is pretty fascinating. But I'm also going to talk to him about this. Uh, We put up a poll question for you guys. And the poll question was this. Why are you watching less NFL? And we have had an unbelievable reaction. 45,000 of you voted in this poll. We put up this poll yesterday in hour three of the show. I left it up all day. Sometimes I do that because I'm curious what the results are going to be. Why are you watching less NFL was the question. 45,000 of you voted. And this is kind of intriguing. 39% of you said because the games are boring. Wow. I said yesterday, we're at a 10-year low in scoring. We're at a 10-year high in sacks. We're at a 10-year low in average distance of passes. And also, we're near a 10-year low in yards passing per game. 39% of you say the games are boring. That would make me pretty scared if I were the NFL. That's a massive percentage of people just saying, yeah, I don't really want to watch the NFL. And also, it ties in with my guy Mike Mulvihill at Fox Sports who looks at all this data. He says a lot of what he shows is not that fewer people are watching games. It's that fewer people are watching games for longer periods of time. In other words, the ratings aren't necessarily a reflection of fewer people putting a game on. It's a function of fewer people actually watching once the games start. And that would tie in with the idea being, you know what? It's just not that compelling of a product. The games are a little bit boring. 36% of you said you're watching less of the NFL because of the protests and politicization of the NFL. That's a pretty high percentage, too. That would make me nervous. 17% said you're not watching because the game you want isn't on. That's a function of the NFL's antiquated regional broadcast network. And 8% of you said it's because of cord-cutting other shows that you're watching, a Netflix, a Hulu, an Amazon Prime, something like that, that you're consuming instead of the NFL. So that is, uh, this is pretty fascinating. So thanks to you, the 45,000 of you who gave your opinions. I'm going to take some more calls on this as the show progresses today. So two, to me, two really kind of big stories as we enter into week four of college football. What's going to happen between Texas A&M and Arkansas? Why is Brett Bielema's failure at Arkansas not getting anywhere near as much attention as some of the other SEC coaching hot seats are, and certainly compared to Notre Dame and Nebraska and UCLA as well. And what's happening with the NFL ratings? If you missed it yesterday, news came out that CBS Sports had the lowest viewership for its 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff games in 20 years. So this is not just something that I'm pulling out of the air. There's a lot of evidence that this is going on. So that in and itself is pretty uh, pretty fascinating. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Joined now by Yahoo Sports national columnist Dan Wetzel. Dan, um, I'm talking about two stories that I think are interesting. So I want to hit you first with uh, with the story about CBS. I'm sure you saw it hitting nearly a 20-year low for NFL viewing, and I put out a poll which got 45,000 votes. Why are you watching less NFL? Uh, Boring games was the number one vote. 39% of people said boring games. 36% said, we talked about this some over the years, protest politicization. Basically, maybe you're not necessarily actually doing, not watching because of protests or the politicization, but it just doesn't feel like a fun thing to do anymore because sports feels political more so. Game you want isn't on, you know, the regional issues, and then cord-cutting other shows. Do you think the NFL has any issue? Uh, I know it's still wildly popular, but for a long time we said, has the NFL reached peak NFL? I think maybe the answer is yes. It's hard to get any bigger audience than they already have, and now they seem to be backing up a little bit. Do you have any sense for why that's happening? 
you know, I think it's a combination of things. Um, uh, you know, I don't. I think every little thing maybe uh, factors to it. I think probably their, their numbers were too big. Um, I, I think the biggest thing though remains the games. Whether the the offenses are kind of stagnant. I mean, I you know, I saw a really good piece in the Ringer about how you know, um, uh, you know the the Poor offensive line play forces the quarterbacks to get rid of the ball so quick that it's like so many, so many check down passes and things like that, which are kind of dull. Which I thought was pretty, pretty interesting. They had a lot to kind of back that up because the game quite isn't quite as exciting. I think it's mainly that stuff. Um, I think it was so popular that it it you know it was going to have to come back at some point. Uh, hasn't been a lot of great games. I think that's probably the number one factor. I, I take most of those. I think the political stuff is maybe a small number of it. I, I, I still have a hard time believing, you know, there's, there's people say, well, I don't, I don't watch because they, you know, they don't have Ka- Kaepernick in there. I don't watch because, you know, the, the, the anthem protests, you know, most of these games, there actually isn't anyone protesting at the anthem. And, like, are you that upset? Like, if Aaron Rodgers is doing some, like, dramatic comeback in the fourth quarter, you're really sitting there saying, I'm not going to watch because, like, two and a half hours ago, something that wasn't on TV, there was a guy that might may or may not have kneeled. I don't know. I, I think those are smaller numbers. I think it's quality of play and, and just sort of viewing habits and things like that. But clearly clearly, it's, it's decreased some in their television popularity. Uh, whether the overall league is any less popular, though, I don't know. You've written a lot about Deflategate and the absurdity of the NFL's investigation there. We're in the middle of another investigation now with the NFL, Ezekiel Elliott. Do you think the NFL is blowing it with the Ezekiel Elliott investigation too, or do you think they've tried to do the right thing and have done the right thing? I think with with Elliott, their, their heart was probably in the right place. I mean, you know, they, they got crushed on Ray Rice for not – pursuing a domestic violence case all the way to the end. And so they never, for whatever reason, they never got that videotape uh, from the casino uh, of the, of, of Rice punching his, his, uh, his girlfriend and now wife in the, uh, in the elevator. And that, that's what really got them. And so on this case, they decided, well, you know, we're going to go all the way to the end. The problem with the NFL is, they, it, there's an arrogance in the way these guys investigate, and, it, and, it, and an inherent unfairness, and a decision that basically we've come up with the conclusion, and then we'll just backfill with whatever we have, and the people are just going to buy it, and we'll control the media, and we'll leak whatever we want, and that's why Deflate Gate was so ridiculous. I mean, they never proved the balls were ever really deflated. We don't know that the, the, the footballs were even were even tampered with, let alone that Tom Brady orchestrated this campaign. So it's like accusing him of murder when no one, there's no body and no, nobody missing. And with Elliot, they were so intense on proving that he did it, that they, they overstepped what was, what was reasonable. Uh, the, the, the system that they had was just unreasonable. And so exculpatory evidence, uh, you know, the conclusion of their lead investigator that, that, that Elliot shouldn't be suspended. They withheld those evidence. He couldn't really have a fair hearing. And at the same time, it's unfair to the, the accuser who doesn't, who now looks terrible in this whole thing. They let her down. So they just are, they have no idea how to run these investigations. And I think that's part of it. Like people don't trust and they get very angry at the league on that. What if, the Patriots fans really stopped watching or Cowboy fans really stopped watching. I doubt it. But it's just, they just don't know how to do these. They're inherently unfair. And then investigations that shouldn't be that hard blow up on themselves. We started off the show talking about, I think that this could be a realignment year for college football because you got unhappy fans at Notre Dame, Nebraska, UCLA, Tennessee, Auburn, LSU, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Missouri, maybe even Florida. I mean, there's a lot of big programs out there, top 25, top 35, top 40 programs. And I said an intriguing game for me this weekend, maybe the most intriguing of all, was Arkansas against Texas A&M. Because you got a neutral site game, roughly 50-50. I think A&M's like a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. 
and it's hard for me to believe that whoever loses this game is going to be able to have any kind of decent season. Both these teams already have out-of-conference losses. Arkansas lost to, uh, obviously, TCU, and A&M lost that heartbreaking game to UCLA. To you, do you see it? Do you feel it with all those different kind of jobs that are potentially out there that this could be a realignment kind of year for college football when you look at all the new coaches that could come rolling in at big programs? Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I think the way the trend is now, they'll start firing guys right away. I mean, look, if Arkansas wins big, does A&M make, pull the plug right away? Remember, Les Miles won a national title at LSU. He's gone by the end of, before the end of September last year. Yep. And, and, and this is where that becomes dangerous because they cut them early and say, okay, they're going to, they're going to put their time to get Tom Herman and they're going to get whoever they want. They end up hiring within. Now we'll see whether that was a good hire or not. I'm not going to just, you know, although I think Ogeron is on a hot seat already, too. But how you handle this is the thing. And, and I'll tell you, if all of these schools start firing coaches, that's a lot of really good jobs. You actually don't want to fire your coach that year because there's only so many candidates out there. And those candidates will line up and say, okay, which one is best? Like the, Chip Kelly can't coach all those places. No, so, it's like yeah. it's like there's one good-looking girl for the prom, and everybody's trying to get her to go. And you know, everybody thinks they got a good shot. Chip Kelly's the hottest girl; everybody wants to take to yeah. prom. But once she commits, once he commits to somebody, then everybody else is like, "Uh oh." I mean, and and so maybe do you I think, shouldn't have. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't have dumped my girlfriend. Yeah, no, exactly her. right. Yeah, she was kind of cute. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, that's your problem because you sit there and go down the line because they all think. I'll get Chip Kelly. Oh, I'll get the best guy. And they sit there and say, well, you know, that's that's eight or nine. So it's going to stack up how many great coaches are there out there. And that's why um, somebody's going somebody's gonna to make some mistakes. And that's why you have these problems in the first place. This is why the SEC's falling apart. Well, the coaches they used to have. Exactly right. Coaches. Now the ACC's got the better coaches. The Big Ten's got the better coaches. And so you better find – you better know you're going to get somebody. Because we've seen all these programs, and now you know I'm unimpressed with a lot of these guys. Uh, and I, you know, it's big money, but you you need to have a plan, and that's where the the AD is so important because they well because half of them rely on a search firm, and then they all rely on those, and they're all relying on the same search firm. You know, it's 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 not a good system. So when you have this many guys, particularly if you fall down the line a little bit, I mean, look, someone good's gonna take A&M, maybe Notre Dame or something like Tennessee, Florida, those things open. But if you're Missouri, you know, that's a, that could be a good job, but you might be sitting there saying, I got the 12th best opening here. Who am I getting? And so that, that that's what I think would be a big concern. But clearly a lot of unrest out there, particularly in the SEC. Do you think that Bob Stoops will coach again next year? I don't think he coaches next year. Um I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame, I think, is, is would be an intriguing place for Bob Stoops. But um, to me, if he coaches again, I, I think it's a little early for Bob Stoops. I think I think he wanted this time off. He's not a guy. He's not a. He, he, you know, he made that he made that decision very uh, calculating, and, and he was ready. Now, two or three years, yeah, I could see him coaching again. But I also could see him staying out of it. But got to be the right job for him uh he's certainly not in a rush where you know it's like the urban meyer retirement like i don't think anyone really thought that was going to last more than about a week and you know sure enough it made you know one year and he was he was jumping back in um i think stoops could 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 go a little bit longer but he's gonna get it he's gonna have a lot of people calling right away we're talking to dan wetzel yahoo sports national columnist you guys are streaming a game from London. You have covered this uh, this this situation. The NFL having a team in London, having a game in London, uh, and and I am fascinated by it. I spent you know ten days overseas in London this uh, this past uh, summer with my family. We talked about that some on the show. Uh, in your experience, what's the vibe like for an NFL game going on in London? And do you think there will be a franchise in London in the next five to ten years for the NFL? Yeah, I've been to the games over there before a couple times, and it's um, it, it's really fun. Uh, it's really festive. It's 
you know, you know how they, you know, the, sometimes the big uh, European soccer clubs they do like kind of in the summer they'll do a tour and they'll come play places. Yeah, I watched one this summer here in Nashville. They had Tottenham yeah. and Manchester City that came to play, and it was awesome to see an EPL game. Yes, they all come, and those aren't even the real. That's an exhibition game. Yep. But the crowd that comes out is just all the people that love soccer, and they're just so excited that they're that a team is there to watch. And they wear all different jerseys and all these different, and they're just very excited. Now these guys are coming. Uh, you know, there's four games in London this year, so it's it's there's there, there's a lot of teams. But like on Sunday's game, it'll be Jaguars Ravens. There will be uh, the most popular jersey in the stands will be either Tom Brady or Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, like they're just people are just there because they're NFL fans, and so they just want to watch and they will cheer tons of stuff. They are really into the game. Um, they just love the NFL, and so they're there. Now, the difference is, does that ever really, can you really have a team on that? With those fans who are now saying, oh, I'm a Cowboy fan, I'll pay you, because they're fans of the good teams, not the Jaguars who play every year. Um, would, they, would they do it? I think they have the fan support to have a franchise. I think they can sell out 82,000 seats at Wembley, or they, they would move to this uh they're going to move over to a, a different facility in a couple of years. It's kind of built for football and and soccer. I think they have the corporate support. I mean, there's 13, uh, almost 14 million people in in London. That's bigger than Los Angeles. Uh, you have all over the, the country. You have you know people take the train over from Paris two hours to get there. So it's a there's a huge market. I think they have the fans of the corporate support, all the money. To me, and when you talk to anyone in the NFL, it's all about logistics. How the heck do you have a team over there? You'd have to have the NFL set up, you know, playing three games at home, then three in the road, and you'd have to have a separate practice facility in the States. And it's hard to bring in players, like, during the week when they're filling up practice squads or you got injuries. What happens in the playoffs? Like, how do you just, boom, guess what? you got a game in Denver in six days. You know, like, you can't do a lot of stuff. I think the logistics are too hard for them to ever really do this. I think what they do is is expand this thing out where you went. They're, they're having four games in London this year and one in Mexico. That's five games that are not being played in the States. Um, if you had a team, it would be eight. It would be eight regular season games that would not be played in the States. I, see, I can see them just expanding this international series and having two games in Mexico, four in London, maybe one in Sao Paulo, Brazil, where there's popular. They want to have a game in China, a game in Germany, bounce it around and do eight ex, eight games that way, with just teams and not ever put a team in London, I think they're better off kind of casting their, their net wide. But as you talked at the beginning, little TV ratings a little down a little bit now in the States, uncertain media rights. Yeah, the NFL is looking for new places to find money. Well, and I think it does make sense to have a broader window. Like having that game kick off at whatever it is, 9.30 Eastern in the morning. I think does make sense to have a game regularly there because it gives you one more national window and because I think there's a lot of people who wake up on Sunday and instead of watching pregame shows talk about the NFL, would like to be able to just go ahead and flip on a game. Absolutely. One of the advantages college football has is is, is just a circus of games for like 14 hours. Yeah. You know, and, and you're, you're sitting there watching something at noon and then all, you know, come home from the bars at 2.30 in the morning and Boise State's playing or something. It's a crazy game. So you can watch. And look, anybody who lives on the West Coast, you know, one of the great joys of living in California or anywhere in the West, any of the Western Coast is you wake up on Sunday morning, boom, game's on. You don't have to go through all this stuff. So, yeah, I, I agree. Adding a window uh, is not is not a problem. I mean, this thing's going to be mostly uh, you got to watch it unless you're in Jacksonville or, or uh, Baltimore. You watch it on the internet, but you know there'll be. I think the last time we did it, with five or six million people watched. You know, so they're it's around the world. That's that's not bad considering you got it's not you can't just tune on the TV. You got to remember to go to your computer. So we'll see what the numbers are on this, but it's proven pretty popular to have that game. We're talking to Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports. Like he said, it's going to be streaming on Yahoo, uh, the game between the Jaguars and uh, the uh, uh, the Ravens. Um, and so that kind of ties in with a, with a larger question for me. Things are changing really quick in the world of sports. When you're over there, that you can gamble on the NFL games in London, right? And soon you'll be able to gamble on the NFL games in Las Vegas when the Raiders make the official move to Las Vegas. 
Uh, how does that feel differently, and how difficult is it to argue that sports gambling is going to change everything for a negative way when it's going on in London and it seems to be going perfectly well? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, literally game day. You, yeah, you can walk. A, you can bet on your phone from the stadium. Which is awesome. Inside, yeah, the, so- literally sitting in the stadium, you can legally bet from your phone. Yeah, I want the second half. Yeah, you can bet right there. Uh, and obviously, if anyone has ever been to London or anyone in Europe, there's these these sports bet parlors that are just these small shops in downtowns and stuff. There'll be there'll be two or three on every block. And it's amazing. Yeah, no, yeah, I noticed that and went in and check them out. Like you can bet on anything, and they're literally everywhere. They're like Starbucks in in London now, uh, and all over England. If you want to gamble on sports, there's all these uh, sports betting parlors, basically. Oh yeah, you can parlay. Uh, you know, I'll take the Ravens uh, giving whatever they're giving, and uh, will it snow in Winnipeg on Christmas Day? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you know, how's that parlay? <laughs> uh, they're pretty addictive, uh, which is sort of like, no, they, I, look, this thing's going to happen. I'm actually writing about this today. Um, it, it, it's 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 fun, and it's not a problem, and all of the. Look, the Supreme Court wants to see this case. It's all, I mean, there's no reason for them to request the case unless, A, it takes at least four Supreme Court justices to say, we want to review this case. All they need is five to, re- to overrule it. All of the, the sinister boogeyman stuff, they said, we can't do this. You know, there'll be, there'll be uh, the players, the mob will take the players, be point shaving. There will literally be gambling nonstop in an NFL city this weekend. Right before, there'll be people sitting in the stands gambling, and it's going to happen four times, five times this year because we can do it in Mexico too. And why not all the games? It's it's not going to change, and so I think it's going to be obviously a dramatic thing, and people want it, and it's not a problem. And you walk into these shops, and you know it's it's a little bit jarring if you've never seen it the first time. It's a little like going to Colorado or Seattle, and you see Vegas as them now. You see the pot shops and stuff, and it's like oh. They got that, you know, it's a little different. But when you kind of walk by it, whether you partake or don't partake, it's sort of like, okay, whatever. Um, so I think it's going to be a – I think it's obviously coming, and I think it's going to be a, a huge thing. And I think, you know, if you're the NFL and say my ratings are down a little, well, maybe that's going to change it. Dan Wetzel, appreciate the time. Enjoy London this weekend for the big Jaguars game against uh, the Ravens, and thanks for uh, hanging out with us this morning. Appreciate it, Senator. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> do you think I'd win, by the way? What do you think about the chances on that race? I think you win. No, I'm, I'm going to open a pack. I'm going to be the – can I run the Hitman pack on, on your opponents, whoever you guys are? I want to just nasty commercial. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I, I'm not even joking. You'll win. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. John Morosi joins us every single Thursday in Hour 2. He joins us now. And, John, as we come up on the end of the season in Major League Baseball, you got people clinching. Boston Red Sox clinched the AL East last night. What should your casual fan be aware of in your mind? Because I think this is the time of year when a lot of people start to pay attention as the postseason gets closer and closer. What should the casual fan be aware of when it comes to the wild card races, right? There are a lot of teams still involved, uh, which is great, especially in the AL down the stretch. And, you know, a couple of teams still involved in the NL too. What's out there that you think is the most intriguing storyline in the playoff race? Well, I think exactly that. In the National League, Clay, you've had the Milwaukee Brewers now. They actually missed a chance last night to tie the Rockies for the second NL wild card. So I think that continuing story is is a big one. Uh, and the fact the Rockies have, have slipped a bit of late, and the and the Brewers have really gained some ground. Uh, the, the the Brewers have sort of been one of the darlings of the league all season unexpectedly very good uh again could not draw even last night but uh, they still have a good opportunity in front of them here over the final um 10 days or so of the baseball season and of course on, on the american league side uh, it does look like the, the twins have been able to to withhold uh withstand rather the the charge so far of the angels for that second uh, al wild card spot but but again, that that race, as you mentioned, Clay, remains very, very wide open. With about ten days ago, uh, and I think you look at the strength of schedule. 
which I know a lot of people do like to look at to say, well, uh, how, how easy is this team to play? But I always caution fans, Clay, that at this time of year, sometimes the, the dangerous teams to play are those that are out of it and have a lot of young players that aren't thinking too much about uh, about the larger ramifications here. Those teams that are out of it can be dangerous. That was the case for Milwaukee last night with their loss, and I think it's, it's the case for, for a lot of teams now going forward. So never lull yourself into that uh, – sense of security as a team if, if you're playing a team that's out of it because those young hungry players can be very very difficult to contend with at this time of year angels are a game and a half out they lost a tough game last night to the indians what would it mean for mike trout to get into the playoffs in terms of increasing his national exposure well clay it's huge and uh you know we've talked before about where where baseball is with with their stars and and mike trout is the best player on the planet we know that uh and, and he even despite missing six weeks of this season with a torn UCL in his left thumb, Clay, he still has a chance to win the American League MVP. And uh, it was interesting, Bill Shakin wrote recently in the LA Times that if Trout finishes in the top two of the AL MVP vote, he'll be the first player in the history of the game to finish in the top two in six straight years. And that is just remarkable. Uh, The game has never been more competitive. You think about the number of players from all around the world that play here in the in North America, and, and that to me is just staggering to hear despite the time that Trout missed. But in many respects, Clay, this is his best season from the standpoint of his OPS. But you're right in that I think getting to the next step is so important for, for the game. I, uh, Mike Trout has played in one playoff series, and the Angels were swept in that series. So uh, I think that for him to take that next step to maybe become a bit more marketable, at least on the level of what Derek Jeter always was, Derek Jeter was in the playoffs every year, and, and I think that that was a very special set of circumstances. Why he was so beloved, it was his personality, uh, the character he always showed, but the fact that he played for the New York Yankees and they were always in the playoffs. And, and those are things that, in, in Trout's case, uh, he's playing for the Angels, so not quite as much of a marquee franchise, and he's only been in the playoffs one time. So I, I think for the, for the good of the game, big picture, uh, I, I think that uh, if the Angels pass the Twins, for that second wild card spot, I think it does do the game some good, at least through the lens of Mike Trout. Dodgers have lost three in a row now, uh, maybe four in a row. Uh, they obviously had a bad losing game stretch. Uh, it's amazing. Like, you know, what, three weeks ago we were asking the question, could they end up with the best record in the history of baseball? Now they may not even end up with the best record in baseball this year with what the Indians have been able to do. Who's the favorite right now in your mind in the NL and in the AL as we're about 10 games left in the regular season? In the NL, Clay, for me, it's Washington. Um, and again, as you mentioned, they are only uh, three and a half games back, the Nationals, which with this amount of time left is, is a pretty big gap, but it is not insurmountable. And uh, when you mentioned, of course, the Dodgers having lost four straight, uh, and you look around the game right now, and the Nationals have clinched their division before the Dodgers have, as have the Astros, as have the Indians. And, uh, and of course, now the, the, the Red Sox moving ever closer to doing so in the American League East as well. So uh, the Dodgers, they have lost their way a bit, I think, with their rotation, but also their, their production, Corey Seager's injury, uh, he hasn't quite been the same. So the, con- the concern is there. And-, and for me, the Washington Nationals have really surpassed the Dodgers as the front runners of the National League. Um, the Nationals' rotation is better. Steven Strasburg, in some respects, is-, is as good at this time of year as he has ever been, which is very encouraging for the Nation- from the standpoint of his durability. So I-, I think when you look at the Nationals' rotation, Scherzer, who may well win the Cy Young again, Gio Gonzalez, Steven Strasburg, Tanner Roark, is just more consistent one through four than what the Dodgers are going to have. And uh, you even saw this week uh, Kershaw rarely losing a game, but but he did lose one in Philadelphia. So this team is as great as they played, Clay, for about almost five months. The Dodgers are simply hitting their rough stretch at the worst possible moment. And uh, I think it's going to be a little difficult for them to get that momentum all the way back before the National League Division Series begins uh, two weeks from today. We're talking to John Morosi. When I look at the playoffs in general, uh, just from a baseball perspective, you're probably going to have the Yankees unless they collapse, right? You're going to have the Red Sox. You're going to have the Cleveland Indians who haven't won a title since the 1940s. 
You're going to have right. the Houston Astros, which is going to have a really good storyline probably because as they continue to win, people are going to say, okay, this is great to see after what happened in Houston with Hurricane Irma and also with the fact that obviously the Astros have not had much success historically. In an ideal universe, you could get the Angels even in as the other wild card team, which I think would be outstanding because then you'd have an AL and an NL team both from L.A., Either way, you get the Nationals, who are, you know, I think a pretty good story with a lot of sexy superstars, right? Uh, you've got the Cubs, who are now, the, crazily, the defending champs of, the, of all of baseball. Uh, you have got the Dodgers, who at least are going to get you in L.A. And uh, look, I mean, there's a lot of people listening to us right now in L.A. who thought this was going to be the year to vanquish the 1988, you know, memories of how long it's been since they won a title as well. Having said that, that's about as good of a playoffs as you could possibly get isn't it just for the league in general to have all these different teams in the mix uh, as we uh, as we come into the playoffs? It's an outstanding point, Clay. And and I, I also want to make this point as well, and you alluded to the Indians drought, um, that we, we thought so much last year about the Cubs and, and certainly the ending 108 years of longing. Those are all, those are all amazing stories, and uh, I felt very privileged to witness that myself in person in Cleveland. That was very special and very historic. But, but there are still some pretty serious um, longings, if you will, uh, in, in this game to really be vanquished this season. You mentioned the Indians, 1948. The Washington Nationals, let's think about this. So that franchise has never won the World Series. Uh, in fact, never went to a World Series when you add up the Montreal years and the Washington years. And to go back even further, I realize we have not had baseball continually in our nation's capital since uh, the, the earlier part of the last century. But uh, intermittently, there have been franchises there. And no team from Washington, D.C. has won a playoff series since the 1924 World Series. <laughs> that's which amazing. Is between the Washington Senators and the New York Giants. So there, there are that's a, a really significant longing to address. The Houston Astros, actually, the second oldest continuing operating franchise in the major North American sports, to never win the title. The the Rangers are the oldest, followed by the Astros, and then the Atlanta Falcons, who, of course, nearly did it uh, just several months ago. So the Astros have never won the World Series. And, and, and again, second oldest franchise in our country uh, to have never done that. So th- there's a lot of really compelling historical conversations. And, and you mentioned certainly Hurricane Harvey in Houston. Um, Carlos Correa, their franchise player, is, is from Puerto Rico, which, of course, in the last couple of days, uh, was tragically hit by by Hurricane Maria. So th- there are a lot of really compelling personal narratives, reasons to cheer, reasons to get invested, even if your team is not involved. So I, I think that there's a lot a lot to cheer for. I think for fans around the country, um, and, and in many respects, I think the game is in a great place right now. And the franchises that you pointed out, Clay, that are all involved, I, I think give a lot of reasons for people to be interested here throughout the game. Talking to John Morosi, let's get to your real area of expertise. The Wolverines are going on the road against <laughs> Purdue and Jeff Brom. This is really kind of an interesting game to me for your Wolverines here because I would imagine you probably would agree the quarterback play has been a little bit sketchy. You know, it's a good problem to have to be 3-0 and and be sitting there in the top 10 and, and kind of poised to make a run in the Big Ten as well as in the national title picture. But are you a little bit nervous about this game? I am, uh, and you look at it, and of course they play. Uh, they have a bye after this one. They play Michigan State on October the seventh. Of course, a big game as it always is. Um, Purdue uh, certainly, as you mentioned, kind of a rebuilding program, if you will. But but that's, this is a huge game for them. This is this is Purdue's season in some respects. You have a chance to spoil Michigan's year early. You got them at home in your Big Ten opener. Um, that, I think that's that's a that's a pretty big pretty big game. We saw earlier this season the way Ohio State struggled at Indiana unexpectedly. This is a very, very tough conference, and uh, I, look for, I look at this to be a very, very difficult game. Michigan has to get better play out of Wilton Spate, uh, and of course, if, if they have another struggling performance, I think offensively, um, with Spate at the helm, it's going to be a long bye week before the Michigan State game two weeks from now. So uh, I think a, a lot of reasons to be concerned, and, and I think I look at it as well, Clay, as a big test. If they're going to struggle on the road, against Purdue, a team that they should beat, then I have big questions about what they'll do on the road at Penn State and at Wisconsin, which uh, I think two huge games coming up against really two top ten teams. So I I think it's going to be a really interesting game for them uh, at Purdue there on Saturday, and and, uh, all eyes in this town, certainly in Ann Arbor, are on Wilton Spade. 
I got to ask you this, too, because uh, you're up there in Ann Arbor, um, and uh, we're talking to John Morosi. The and, and I'm sure you pay a little bit of attention to this, but the, the Indianapolis Colts are so bad that they are right now a home underdog to the Cleveland Browns. That's how bad the, the, the Colts mm. are right now. Obviously, Andrew Luck has been out and he's been injured, but there's been a lot of rumor about Jim Harbaugh and potentially taking the Colts job because of the Andrew Luck connection, because he could stay in the Midwest. Do you worry at all about that, or do you think that Harbaugh is committed to Michigan for the next five to seven years? I've always felt this, and again, I have. This is uh, this is a complete. This is a neutral uh, sort of uh, you know removed perspective as just an observer here from Ann Arbor. Um, I, I've always felt that that there's some risk that he goes to the NFL, and and I think that uh, any rational Michigan fan should feel the same way. Um, he's he's been to the NFL, obviously. He coached with great success there. But, of course, he did not win the Super Bowl. And, and I think that if there's one thing we know about, about, about Jim Harbaugh is how competitive he is. Uh, he is not going to want to leave uh, objectives unchecked on, uh, on, on life's to-do list. And, and I think that as long as that winning the Super Bowl box remains unchecked for him, I think that there has to be at least some degree of fear on the part of Michigan fans that, that he would leave. Uh, how, how big is that percentage? I'm I'm probably not qualified to really render much of a much of a uh, verdict on that clay, but but I will say just as someone who lives here and watches this team and, and thinks about where the program is, um, that is a narrative and a line of thinking uh, about the possibility of him being maybe in the mix of the Colts job at some point. That that does not surprise me in the least. He's as good talking about college football as he is Major League Baseball as he is the NHL. He's John Morosi. Go follow him on Twitter. I appreciate the time, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much, Clay. It'll be a tough one for the Maize and Blue on Saturday, but we'll, uh, we'll speak about it again there next week. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Uh, I'm going to run for the Senate here, potentially, from Tennessee, and i got to find out why people like me or don't like me. Turns out that a lot of people's moms don't like me, and also Danny G's girlfriend, Christina. Is that right? Yep. Christina doesn't like me. Christina, why do you not like me? Just like the times that I've tried to listen to you guys, I just don't think you treat even your listeners fairly based on if they're black or white or brown or Italian. Oh, you think that do you, – so do you think I'm racist or do you think that I – like what What are you saying? Like that, that I don't yeah. – that's oh, either, that would hurt me in the Senate campaign, I think. Yeah, either you are or you're just saying it to like rile people up, which either way it's not attractive to me like in any way. Like Who do you think I hate the most? Black people, Asian people, Hispanic people, Italian people? Like, what group would you say that I despise the most based on your listening? Black people. Oh, you think? Yeah, because when I turn, I'm telling you, I have Fox Sports Radio on my dial every day when I get in my car. And you are just, every day when I turn it on, it's something about Colin Kaepernick. You're hating on But a he's half white. What if I, black. Christina, what if I hated that part of Colin Kaepernick that's half white? then I would say you're treating white people unfairly. Well, what if I treat everybody unfairly equally? Wouldn't that make me not racist? <laughs> that just makes you an ass. <laughs> this is not going well. Did, did we have to drop? Do we have to drop your girlfriend, Danny G? Yeah, we did. <laughs> oh my! This is unbelievable. <laughs> this is un- unprecedented. Double drops today. Is Christina still there? Uh, yeah, she is. So, we're coming back now. Christina, we had to drop you. You cursed. You came on. You're on for two minutes. You can't no, say that on the that radio. That wasn't a bad curse word. That was like a low-level curse word, which I, I was, agree. It was I a low-level curse. I didn't say the a word. We we bring you on, and immediately you curse me out. Like this is this is unbelievable. So, what would I have to do to get your support to make you love me? Well, I don't even know the platform you're running on, and I'm I'm somewhat of an informed voter, so I wouldn't just like jump out there and be like. You can say anything you want, and I'll believe you. Well, I think I'm actually a, quite a lovable person. So I, I just I just need to find out what I need to do to get your vote, even though you're in California and you're not in Tennessee. So if I promise not to be as racist, would that make you more likely to vote for me? Yeah. All right, so I hate white people a lot more than I hate black people. Okay. Sold? Oh, well, that, to my point, I was just saying, you know, you're a mean person, but, but yeah, also, sometimes being a mean, I have like, another bone to pick with you. Oh no, well, this is not how going are you well. Gonna, 
how how are you going to go on national TV and just like objectify women saying like they're only the things on their chest? I didn't say that. I like women for all sorts of reasons. I said I love the First Amendment and boobs. Like you're a heterosexual, you, you're dating a heterosexual guy. Would it surprise yeah. you that your boyfriend likes boobs? No, but he wouldn't say there's only two things in life and one of them are boobs. Well, that, I said that have never let me down. That's actually an endorsement of women. Football just, lets me down all the time, Christina. Boobs never have. We're going to have to continue this conversation. I don't, even think, I, I don't even think that could be a true statement. There's so many types. I mean. <laughs> oh, you think boobs might have let me down? The only boob who's ever let me down is Butch Jones at the University of Tennessee. i got to be honest with you. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to have to continue this conversation tomorrow. Christina cursed me out. She did, I don't think I got her vote. This didn't go well. Fuck. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends.